0: The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of their organization. Welcome to Knowledge Cast. This is a look into the world of knowledge management, information management, data management, and everything in between. This is brought to you by Enterprise Knowledge. I'm Zach Wall, founder and CEO of EK. Today we've got with us Beth Poposky, KM consultant at Mafre. How are you, Beth?
1: I'm good today. How are you?
0: Good. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for your time. Beth, one of the ways that I always like to lead off our podcast is by asking our guests to provide their definition of KM. As I'm sure you've experienced throughout your own career, it means a lot of different things to different people. So how do you define it?
1: I define it in the way that we use it right now. It's basically three main components. It's finding the knowledge that we need, And a lot of times that means going to the experts and getting that tacit knowledge, just that know-how that they have, that knowledge that people gain over the years by working somewhere. So through experience, Mm -hmm. so trying to get that knowledge that lives in our heads and actually gather that. And then codify it, make it available for the rest of the organization, make it available so that people can reference it and search it and have it at their fingertips when they need it to service our customers. And then the third step would be to reuse that knowledge. So we've captured it, we've made it available and searchable. We want to reuse it. Either we're going to reuse it to do the same thing, or we may repurpose that to start a new project. Maybe it will ignite a new idea.
0: Perfect. You know, I often talk about how important it is to use really simple verbs when you're describing KM. And I just heard capture and manage and reuse from you. And so you're right on the right track from my perspective of really just talking about what does KM do for the average organization or for the average user within that organization. That's great. So let's talk about how you're doing that? It sounds so simple when you're basically saying, (laughs) hey, we're going to take a bunch of stuff that's in people's heads. We're going Mm -hmm. to put it in a place where it can be used and reused and found by others. How are you doing it?
1: So we've been on a a journey and I would say we've probably been on a journey since about 2015. And the first three or four years that we were doing knowledge management, um, we were doing it primarily in the contact center. And we were using IBM Connections at the time. I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's just a collaborative platform. It's not a true knowledge management tool, but it's a collaborative platform. And it's a platform where we were able to share our reference materials, share access to them, and also have some two-way conversations. So if there were questions on the materials, people could ask questions. And if there were updates that we needed to know about, people could go in there and they could share their knowledge so that we could update our procedures, or maybe we needed to validate that something was correct or not. So Mm -hmm. that's where it started. At the end of 2018, we decided that we were going to make this more of a global initiative for knowledge management. Mm -hmm. And so Spain, which is where our main headquarters is, Spain had actually came out to visit us here in the U.S., And when they came to visit us here in the U.S., they were really interested in taking a look at what we had already developed in the contact center because we were the only business area actually within the organization that was doing any sort of knowledge sharing. Um, At that time, I was moved into our human resources area because knowledge management function became more of a human resources function because it was going to be supporting the whole organization and not just the contact center. Then it became more of a global initiative because we started to think, okay, MAFRE is a global company. This is Mm -hmm. Mofre's knowledge. This isn't just the knowledge of the U.S. or the knowledge of Turkey or the knowledge of Spain. We wanted to be able to share our knowledge collectively as an organization. So what we started to do is we started to build a knowledge repository Um, We do have a repository set up where our identified local experts and our global experts can upload knowledge pieces that people can search and reference if they're looking for information um we always tell people if you're about to start a new project and you're going to be working on something that you're not familiar with you may want to go to Eureka which is what our knowledge repository is called you may want to go to Eureka and do a quick search and see if anyone else out there has done some work on this before so that nice. you don't have to reinvent the whole wheel. Last year we really started to do a push on it and then we started to do it again this year with covid everything sort of took a back burner knowledge management yeah. certainly certainly one of them at our organization. So we didn't have as much activity as we would hope to see, but knowledge management does take a while to build up. It took a while to build up in the contact center. And I know that it's gonna continue to take a while to build up globally, especially because people are trying to determine what do I share locally compared to what do I share globally? But it can bring so many advantages to other countries, especially, you know, if, if there are things that have proven to be successful in one country to transfer them over. So what we're trying to do is we've identified the experts, we're asking them to upload the knowledge pieces, and we're connecting our employees with the information that they've uploaded. And if they're, out there searching for something, but they can't find what they're looking for, they're matched up with an expert that's been matched to that key term.
0: That's great. So, I mean, what I'm hearing is there's a couple key components of technology here. One is the content repository or knowledge repository. And then you've, you've got, it sounds like beyond just an expert finder, it's in a way, it's a kind of a knowledge matchmaking service where somebody has a question on a particular topic, they're able to get to an expert on that. I, I want to go into a, a few details on, on a couple of these pieces. So let's talk about the knowledge repository first. These are hard. They're hard for a bunch of reasons. One is that it's hard to get the right people to get the right stuff in it. And Mm -hmm. then it's hard to design it in such a way for any user without a ton of training or change management or this or that to really turn it into a part of their day and easily be able to find what they're looking for. So let's talk about these two challenges. First, let's talk about how you overcame the I don't want to put my stuff in it challenge.
1: Well, I would say that we're still in the process of overcoming that challenge. Finding Mm -hmm. the what's in it for me to sharing knowledge can be hard. Uh, Right now, I think a lot of people are looking at their knowledge as their secret weapon, and they don't necessarily want to share that with anyone because they want to retain their position and kind of protect their job security. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. It's job security. So getting people to share knowledge has been a challenge. And it hasn't just been a challenge because of that. It's also a challenge because of sheer time. You know, this isn't something that people have done on a normal basis. You don't normally stop and just say, okay, I'm going to take some time now to share what I learned today. It's not something that People normally do. So, we've tried a lot of different things this year besides our knowledge repository. We've started to incorporate some podcasts at our company. That's a great way of sharing knowledge. We also offer a lot of one on one tutorials and live micro learnings where we'll have Mm. a lot of hands on training to share knowledge with an expert. For 2022, one of our big initiatives for knowledge management is to establish more of a framework you know, really identify those moments that you want to make sure you're taking time to stop and share knowledge. Sharing knowledge is best done as close to that time as possible. So if you have a lesson learned that you want to share, you want to share that lesson as close to, you know, when it happened as you possibly can. And that way it's more memorable to you too. And you can share more specific information that can be more valuable.
0: That's great. We talk about that in terms of You know, if you just ask everybody to share all their stuff all the time, people are going to be just overwhelmed and they're not going to have enough context. But instead, if you help them identify what these key moments of knowledge capture are, a project's ended or a project's begun or somebody's been hired or, you know, these critical moments where somebody can almost have a little sticky that says, hey, remember to do this. Remember to capture that knowledge or share it. Is is that how you're talking about your framework? Is that similar to, to how you're thinking about this?
1: Absolutely. Those are certainly two of the moments that have come up for me. I actually also had tried to start and and it didn't have... Much success, but I'm going to continue to try to start this, is having a legacy series at our company. So at our company, you know, we have some amazing leaders and it it is part of the offboarding process, you could say. But, you know, more than just doing an exit interview with somebody that's been really influential and has made a lot of impact and an important piece of us meeting our strategic initiatives and our strategic goals, With those folks doing a podcast series where you're just meeting with them and really trying to get what we can get before you leave, okay? Yeah. Because- Technically, I mean, it's is—it's your knowledge, but it's also our knowledge. It's knowledge that you acquired while you've been working here with our company. So it's knowledge that we would love to be able to capture and share with other people that are going to be following in your footsteps and people that want to be the next John Smith or whomever who made this big impact at our company. How do I get to be that next John Smith?
0: So Beth, I, I love the fact, and you referenced this, it's been hard to get people to share their knowledge. So in a way, you're generating new knowledge through your own group, right? You're running these podcasts, you're running the interviews, and then I imagine that you're putting those materials into the knowledge base. So you're doing two things. One, you're creating new knowledge, but two, you're also mm-hmm. driving people towards the new knowledge base to to get them to a- adopt the tool. Am I, am I getting that right? Yes. So I I really love this. And I want to restate a couple of things you've said so our listeners don't miss it. First is you've recognized there's a couple impediments to knowledge sharing. One is that people are busy. They don't have a ton of time. Two is that you're asking them to do something new and people don't like doing things new without a really good reason. And three, that knowledge is power and people are worried about giving up their knowledge. So in order to overcome those challenges, you've helped them along through the interview and podcast program, but you're also helping to sell them on the value of being seen as an expert. You're creating this mechanism that they can be more highly regarded and potentially be opened up to more opportunities within the organization through sharing their knowledge and and really identifying their own expertise. That is a great technique that I think a lot of our listeners could benefit from hearing. So thank you for that, Beth. That's Mm -hmm. great. So let's talk about the other half of the challenge. So you're getting good stuff in and sure, it's a fight and you're doing it. How do you or how have you designed the system? What's been your process to ensure that the right people are able to find the right content and the right people within?
1: We use Microsoft Teams and we have specific teams set up by topic. So if you're looking for information, we want to make it really clear where you should go to find it. When we first rolled out Teams, there's this thing called Team Sprawl and everybody got Teams happy and everybody wanted to create a team (laughs) for everything. So it kind of made it a little chaotic when you were looking for information. So we're taking a step back now and we're actually consolidating our local intranet into a page that will be searchable with our global intranet. So that should help um, by containing that one silo there. And we are also, you know, that the contact center that I had mentioned that was using IBM connections, we're also sunsetting that platform and bringing them over onto Teams too. So all of their knowledge and all of their knowledge sharing and all of their knowledge collecting will be from there as well, which, only benefits everybody, you know, the more people that can see those questions, the more people that are likely to answer it, and I'll see a question posted sometimes you know at nine o'clock, and within five minutes they've gotten an answer for someone because they've posted it to a team of of people that do that same work, and they're able to answer that question right away. and it's it's so much better than email because if you if I were to email you Zach and ask you a question, I need to wait until you're available to look at that email and answer me and provide me with a response. But if you and I belong to a team of knowledge management experts, and I had a question, I post that question to our wall, you know, whatever collaborative tool you're using, I post that question to that wall and you and anyone else that's part of our team, you know, part of our community of knowledge experts would be able to answer it. So if you're on vacation or if you're in the middle of a bunch of different podcasts, I'm still gonna get an answer. And um, that's one thing you know, that I've been showing to our leaders. I really wanna emphasize how quickly people are getting their responses as opposed to how it used to be.
0: And this so well tracks with, I think, one of the greatest points of return on investment or business value for, for KM. We know that anybody within an organization can be spending literally hours waiting for answers, looking for information, recreating information that already existed. What you're basically identifying is a solution to a big part of that productivity loss. Now, One of the other things that we tend to see with tools like this is that innovation starts happening. So Mm -hmm. step one is what you've described, that you have people answering questions for others that are keeping them from struggling or suffering or waiting. But step two almost becomes that they realize that they have this global network of like-minded experts and they want to start playing. They want to start Mm -hmm. innovating with that group. Have you seen that happen?
1: You know, I've seen it happen, although I wouldn't isolate it to knowledge sharing or knowledge management. I'm leading the digital uh, transformation, the digital challenge for the U.S., for our company. And with that, it's really opened a lot of doors for innovation There are so many things that we can do. We use Office 365. So we have that whole suite of applications. And there are processes that we can automate. So you know, one of the things we're really excited about for 2022 is to create a catalog where we'll be sharing our knowledge of what our tools are actually capable of. Okay, we're in this new digital world. We've rolled out all these digital tools to you, these new ways of working. Now we want to Hear from you. What are your issues for your specific business area, so that we can look at them and then look at the tools that we have and consider what can we offer to you that's going to improve that. And how Very are we cool. going to be able to innovate? So we want to build a catalog of services that we can offer and some of those common processes that we can automate. So the business area start thinking these are new things. Here's this knowledge. These are new things that we can do. How can we apply that in our business area, automate some new processes and free up some time where we can actually focus on what we're experts of. We don't want them to always have to go through all of those step-by-step you know, mundane processes that they have to do every day. If they can focus on what they're the experts of, then yeah. they're sharing their knowledge with our customers. And that's what we want them to do.
0: Love it. And there is another big enticement for getting them to share their knowledge and expertise. Less time with the mundane, probably less time repeating the same answer to the same question Mm -hmm. that's been asked 10 times, more time spent innovating, being the expert in generating the new knowledge, the new thinking. That's wonderful. Now, how do you guide that process? And, And by the way, I know that you mentioned that you had moved from the contact center to HR. So I would surmise that you're probably a lot closer to learning and development than you used to be. And I I get really excited when I see L&D learning performance collide with KM. It sounds like that's the direction that Mopfrey is heading. Am I getting that right?
1: Yeah, I work very closely with the L&D group. And I also Mm -hmm. work very closely with our strategy team. Strategy is all about innovation strategy, they they want to know how to use all of those new tools. They need to know how to use all those new tools. They need to know what's capable. And a lot of focus for our leaders too, you know, in order to get our staff to adopt these new behaviors and to start using these new tools, we need to have our leaders doing the same thing. And sometimes it's a bigger challenge to get our leaders to adopt to this form of knowledge sharing um, because they a lot of times they hold that knowledge so close to them they they're just so afraid of who might see it and and they have a lot of privacy mm-hmm. concerns not realizing that sometimes you know as long as there isn't any PII information when you share a problem or when you share information with other people getting 10 other people to think about the same thing you've been thinking about for a month you may get better results in in a week because they have fresh minds and they haven't thought about these things before. So sometimes that information you're holding really too close and you're kind of protecting too much, it might help you to share with other people so that they can give you their two cents and maybe that'll improve upon what you're already doing or solve a major roadblock that you've hit and you haven't been able to get through yet.
0: Yeah, well said. And so you've got learning, upskilling, expertise, connections, innovation strategy, these these are all exciting elements. Let's zero in on that upskilling piece. Mm-hmm. How have you enabled that? What's been the tactic or the, the method? Is it about putting the right knowledge in the knowledge base so that the right people can use it when they need it? Is it about connecting, as you said, one-on-one with experts? What are your upskilling techniques right now and what are your goals?
1: It's a lot of different things. It is, like you said, connecting with the experts, making the the knowledge available. But one of the things that we focused on is for the digital transformation, we rolled out all these new digital apps and the way that we did that is we looked at personas so we created mm-hmm. three main personas within our organization and we have our doers our connectors and our optimizers and based on those three personas we identified what apps would help them most what scenarios what workplace scenarios do they encounter most often that we can help with you know what kind of knowledge do they actually need so you know if we're working with a project team we know that there are specific project apps and project tools that we can offer to them and we can educate them on and upskill them on that are only going to be able to help them continue to do well in their position and thrive. And if we're working with our contact center group too, that you know maybe their biggest challenge is how to find the information quickly. Searching is difficult. And you can search wherever you're searching. And I'm sure that you understand this. Depending on how you search and where you search is going to depend on what your results are. And if you don't understand that or have time to figure it out, if you don't get that answer right away, then you're going to get discouraged. You're going to have a bad user experience. As similar as we can make our knowledge searching experience to a regular you're at home, you want to Google how to do the new dance with your kids and you want to Google something. That's what they do. They go home, they Google whatever they need to know how to do, and they find it right away. It's one of the reasons why another thing that we're going to be implementing is, you know, we're creating sort of like a YouTube list from our employees where they can upload short, quick videos of how, you know, they might have just learned how to do something that's going to help our customers. If they can share that in a quick video and somebody searches it, a lot of people are going to learn better that way than they would if they were to go read a 10 paragraph reference document on how to do the same thing. So Mm -hmm. we want to make it as easy as possible and as similar as possible to what they're already doing at home.
0: You know, I want to call out the fact that a a lot of the conversations I've been having with folks have been around how to make the existing knowledge and content of the organization findable. So basically, hey, we've got a bunch of stuff. We need to improve search. I really like where you're going with this because a lot of what you've shared is about how you can use the tacit knowledge, the expertise Mm -hmm. within the brains of your folks, harness it as new content, how you will generate new content that can then be made findable. And I think that's a really important part of the puzzle here. So tell me a little bit more about how you're going to incentivize your people to create these YouTube videos, as you call them. How are you going to get folks excited about sharing their knowledge in that format?
1: Well, this is still in the works. So right now, these are just thoughts and ideas that I have in my head. I love them. They're great. <laughs> you know, you start to see a following. You start to see your group of early adopters, and you start to see the group of people that really want to be involved. And working with them in focus groups and working with them to brainstorm on ideas of how to get other people within their teams to adopt those same behaviors and to share the knowledge in ways that they're doing is what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to really team up with those all-stars that are out there that are already doing what we're looking for in terms of knowledge sharing. And honestly, when I go to them and I have these conversations with them, they're so excited. They're excited that I've recognized that they're sharing knowledge, and they're excited that I'm asking them to continue to do it. Depending on the employee, what what their motives are. If they're at the end stages of their careers, they may not be as excited. But when I'm going to those new hires, or when I'm who often have the best suggestions for new um, things and things that they've learned to share, or you know those people who have just gotten into new positions and they still have that excitement. Trying to harness those people and their excitement and use them as our all stars and as our A team for knowledge management and then giving them credit for it. We do have some recognition systems put in place. We haven't put anything in place specifically around knowledge sharing. Um, it's something that I've wanted to do, so I'm hoping that we can add that. Right now, we recognize people for collaboration, we recognize people for customer service and for innovation. Um, I think we should certainly add knowledge sharing as one of those behaviors that are rewarded in our recognition system as well. I think that would be fantastic. One thing that we don't have is we don't have knowledge sharing built into, you know, I mentioned performance reviews before. We don't have knowledge sharing built into anybody's requirements. It's not in a job requirement. And I don't know that we will, But um, I'm hoping that it will at least be seen and that we can at least change that when we're looking and we're entertaining candidates for other positions or when we're doing a performance evaluation, that we are taking some of the metrics and the analysis that we've done on how they're collaborating and how they're sharing knowledge with the use of our tools into consideration. Somebody should get credit if they're constantly answering questions. They shouldn't be doing it in a way where it impacts their time and their ability to focus on their job function. But if they're managing their job functions and they're still helping out 10 peers a day, well, they should get some credit for that.
0: Yeah, I love it. And it is. I mean, the employees who shine are the ones that are sharing their knowledge and helping others excel. And those are, in fact, the ones that you want to keep. You want to incentivize to keep doing what they're doing. So that's great. Beth, let's go back to the beginning. How did you get into knowledge management?
1: I got into knowledge management the way I hear a lot of people get into knowledge management. By um, accident. By (laughs) accident, exactly, by accident. Funny thing, um, they actually, I I was the manager of our quality assurance group in the contact center at the time. Mm -hmm. So at that time, they actually ended up getting rid of that position. So I kind of fell into it as, okay, your position no longer exists. We have this knowledge management role that we're creating that you'd be fantastic for because of your expertise. You Mm -hmm. know, we're creating it for the contact center. We consider you an expert for the contact center because you're the quality assurance manager. You have all this experience. We think you'd be fantastic. Uh, we don't know what knowledge management is or how we're going to do this, but we think you can do it. And you know, we're hoping that you're going to take this position. And I really, I really feel fortunate now that I've spent so much time in it. And now that I fully understand it, I didn't understand it going into it. When I first went into it, it was like, okay, I have to make sure all of our procedures are documented. I have to make sure that my table of contents are set up in a way that training can use them when they're in the classrooms and then they can refer the staff back to them once they're on the floor and they need to access this information. And that's what it was. It was cut and dry, just get the processes, put them in there. I kind of felt like it was a little bit administrative and and I didn't like that at the beginning of it. But then We were using IBM connections at the time, like I mentioned, and we went for a briefing at IBM to learn more about what the capabilities were with that tool because we were only using it It basically Mm -hmm. as a document repository. We were not using the features that it had to its full extent at all. So going to that briefing really opened our eyes to more possibilities and what we could truly do as an organization, or at least as a department in the contact center. And that's where we were able to build that up and start this whole business of knowledge sharing within the contact center.
0: Excellent. I mean, it's neat. It seems like you've really made KM what you wanted it to be for the organization, Share with our listeners a little bit more about how you made that leap, how you got smart in KM, and how would you recommend our listeners might be able to upskill themselves if they find themselves in a similar situation?
1: So I did as much research as I could possibly do on it. Um, Like I said, I think my first main step was getting to IBM and getting that briefing and really trying to see what capabilities and features would help us in our department. I was actually fortunate enough as well, I visit KM World's website quite Mm -hmm. often, and I've been to the KM World conference on multiple occasions. And sitting through those conferences and being around like-minded people, people, a lot of people like me who had no staff and they were the only person in the organization that's handling knowledge right. management and trying to learn you know, in these sessions what knowledge management really was and how we could put it into our organizations and successfully implement that, um, that really helped. I'm a lifelong learner and I will Google all day when we get off of this, I'll probably learn a few more things. So just getting out there and learning as much as you can on your own. edX had some good courses on it. LinkedIn also since then has added some knowledge management, especially in the area of customer service where people can find information, but just get out there and find out as much information as you can and network too. you know, really get out there and find out with the community of, because there are a lot of us out there.
0: You've hit on two key points. One is a lot of KMers are an island of one that they're like the one KM person, at least with Mm -hmm. that in their title in their organization. And two, I mean, you don't get into the field unless you want to share knowledge. If you are in knowledge management, you don't want to share and you don't want to collaborate, you're probably in a lot of trouble. So I think the field naturally attracts people that want to help, that want to help you along. And so asking and connecting, I think is great advice. Beth, tell me a little bit about what you're super excited about in the field right now. What gets you out of bed in the morning? What's that next big thing that Mapfre is working on in the knowledge sphere?
1: One thing I'm really excited about is the capabilities that we're going to see as we start to incorporate more AI into our knowledge management. Now, um, there's something with Microsoft called Project Cortex. And Project Cortex is actually something with Microsoft where it's going to enhance knowledge management, build a knowledge management component into it where it will auto tag information. You know, we've had to tag things before in the past manually. Well, because of the AI that's built into us, it will actually auto tag some of the information to make it easier for people to search it. It'll actually start to identify experts. So if it sees that Zach Wall is constantly answering questions about customer service, when somebody searches customer service, it'll actually bring you up too. So it'll start to recognize those things. So it takes some of the manual things that we're doing now with knowledge management and it does it for us and it does it frankly, better sometimes. We can do it, but having access to all of that information, it could do it better. Uh, The technology knows whether or not you've asked a question when you've sent an email out of Outlook. And it will remind me if I haven't gotten a response to that question. So that's a trigger. And if it can notice that a question was asked, and if it can notice that an answer was given, it can start to build up a whole FAQ document. It can start to build up a whole... Um, slew of questions matched with answers of knowledge just based on AI. So I'm super excited about that. And I'm not just excited about that, because it'll take some of that type of work away from us on our plates. But we can start to focus on some of those things that I think are more effective. Like I said, the podcasts are huge. Those micro learnings, I love it. It was a quick last minute thing that we did with our first one that we had last week. And we only had, I think 10 people that were able to to attend, but being able to have that micro learning with an expert for those 10 people that had to be there, they wanted to be there and then record that session and share that with other people. That's not something I would necessarily be able to do if I'm sitting there documenting processes all day and tagging, you know, tagging information all day to make it searchable. So I'm very excited about the capabilities and the opportunities that that will bring to us as that will free up our time as knowledge managers.
0: Fantastic. So for our listeners, Project Cortex is Microsoft's graph database play. So we've talked a fair bit about graph databases on this program, and that'll be an area that Microsoft users out there will definitely want to check out because it's obviously a major investment. It comes with a lot of features. Beth, I think the picture that you painted is really apt for this. It's the idea that it's connecting all of an organization's stuff. So your people, your content, Mm -hmm. your different types of knowledge assets can all get connected and become traversable if this gets wired together properly. So that's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I loved your mention of analytics. If Zach is heavily published in this area and those articles that he's published are liked by others, reviewed or accessed Mm -hmm. frequently, then we can assume that Zach is an expert. So that's that's the sort of capability that we're talking about here. As we bring things to a close here, Beth, what's that one piece of advice you would give to somebody else in, in your role at a different organization? What must they do to have the sort of success that you've had at MAPRE?
1: I think you have to be patient and know that if you put knowledge out there, it doesn't mean that necessarily people are going to go get it and they're going to use it right away you have to build that framework. You know, If you build it, people aren't necessarily going to go to it. You could build the most beautiful knowledge repository or make it as searchable as possible. And people still aren't going to go there unless they have value you know, see value in it. So you have to be really patient. This is new for people. We have yeah. to understand that people need to build new behaviors and that we have to help them by sharing success stories and sharing lessons learned. So it isn't something that's, that happens overnight. It's something that you have to understand is going to take time. So just be patient and be consistent. Find your advocates, find your early adopters and use them to help you because it is a process.
0: Excellent. So slow and steady finishes the race, but you didn't stop there. I I love the idea of finding your champions within the organization and really making the case for KM, selling it. You can't just wait for people to come around and realize the value that you're offering. So all great stuff. Beth, it sounds like you're doing a wonderful job there. Best of luck moving forward. Beth Poplowski, KM Consultant, Mopfrey. Thank you so much for joining us and have a great day.
1: Thank you.
0: For those out there, thank you for listening to this episode of KnowledgeCast. And to check out more on knowledge management, visit our website at enterprise-knowledge.com. Thanks, everybody.